Strategy Experts podcast brought to you by Scriptorium. Since 1997, Scriptorium has helped companies manage, structure, organize, and distribute content in an efficient way. In this episode, we talk about content as a service with special guest Patrick Bosick of Hereto. This is part one of a two-part podcast. Hi, I'm Sarah O'Keefe. Patrick, welcome. We're happy to have you here. I am happy to be here. Thank you, Sarah. I'm excited to chat with you on this very special podcast about content strategy. I love content strategy. You know that. And I also love content as a service, which is our topic. So excited. Excellent. So tell us a bit, for the people that don't know, tell us a bit about yourself and about Hereto. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Patrick Bozik, as you mentioned. Um, I'm CEO and one of the founders of Hereto. And what that means is that I get to kind of run around the digital universe and talk about how cool content is if you do it right, and then talk a lot about how to do it right in a bunch of different places. I do that with Coffee and Content and Win with Content and the Content Components podcast, if you see a theme. I like to get out and talk about content. Um, I also write for CMS Wire um, from time to time. Um, I like to blog on uh, our blog. And all this kind of comes down to talking about mostly the technology aspect of how to get content operations uh, set up uh, in place, make it run effectively, and you know just kind of get more efficiency, scalability, uh, lower cost, and more joy out of your your content systems. Uh, and then in my more in like what I'm actually paid to do, which is to run Hereto a little bit, the uh, Hereto is a is a component content management system that runs on Dita, and it is a, a content operations platform that you can use to scale up your content, manage the localization, collaborate with people who are a range of you know levels of technical. So you can have people who are non-technical, you know, people who are in legal, all those kinds of things, all the way through to developers and technical authors, uh, creating structured content in a online software as a service WYSIWYG environment. Um, and then we can put that into deployments, which can go out into the cloud and power content experiences across, you know, whatever you want to hook it up to the API. Uh, and we do that using an API, which is a content as a service, which leads very nicely into what we want to talk about today. Yeah. And, and there we go. So first of all, we will get links to hopefully everything you just mentioned into the show notes so that people can go find all these other podcasts and resources and the Hereto site and your CMS wire link while we're at it and all the rest of it. But yeah, so not too long ago, I was on one of the uh, podcasts that Patrick mentioned and um, we got into a, you know, a, a, an active discussion about a number of things. So I thought it might only be fair to return the favor and let you <laughs> give your perspective on some of these things after our little knockdown drag out. So I wanted to start with the basics, which is how do you define content as a service or CAS? Yeah, that's actually not that hard. When it comes right down to it, if you can access your content over a web available API and you can do it in a production way. So if I can set up an application or a website or some other user interface, or really anything that's gonna be able to select content using a web call, that's a content as a service. I'm able to make a request and it will serve me that content on the request. So it's provided to me as a service, it's content as a service application. It's not that complicated. 
Okay, so when we think about software as a service, it was generally this idea that you would, you know, buy software and put it on your laptop, I guess, on your lo- or your computer on your local drive and run it there. Versus software as a service was kind of like you go to a website and you get stuff. So you're saying that content, you know, not as a service. <laughs> The old version is essentially packaged stuff, right? Like here's a PDF or here's a book or even here's a website that I have pre-built. Totally. That is exactly the difference. Now there's a bunch of, I mean, I don't know how nerdy we want to get on this podcast. I mean, this isn't components <laughs> after all, um, but there's there are there are places and there's a time and place for, for both of these things. You know, there's content as a service isn't meant to be, even though it's the next thing, it's the new thing. It doesn't remove the need for some of the packaged content. Just like, you know, we have apps on our phone today. That's the old model of software, right? Like you download them and you install them just like we used to do before. They're not software as a service, These the apps that are on our phone. Um, so like that model hasn't gone away. Software as a service has just become a really effective model for certain types of applications. You know, the ones that spring to mind are obviously like uh, social media is an application that tends to be really strong through software as a service when you're on a web browser. And, you know, a lot of business applications, you know, so Salesforce famously is kind of the first one to really embrace it um, in business applications. And content as a service is very much kind of the same thing, but for content. So uh, do we still need PDFs that we can, you know, download and print and take with us? Like, yeah, sure. I use PDFs every day. Do we still have places where building a static site or a static set of like help materials makes a lot of sense, totally. But there is a natural aspect of dynamic changing content. If that content is gonna be a little bit different based on who or where or when you access it, then you can't build it statically. Like that's one of the things you'll never get from a PDF. Like if you and I, based on who we are or where we are, need to, need to have a different piece of content in a paragraph, you can't do that with a PDF efficiently or at scale. And that's when you need content as a service. And that's kind of the same thing with, you know, software or anything else that comes as a service in that way. So what do you see? I mean, you're mentioning, you know, sort of contextually aware or personalized kind of content. Where does this matter the most? What are the kinds of use cases that you're seeing for content as a service where people need it and are using it, you know, appropriately? Yeah, that's so that question is so much fun because everybody wants to call it personalization and it is personalization. The problem is that when everyone thinks of personalization, they kind of go right to really dynamic stuff, which is like Facebook or Amazon or stuff like that. You know, those types of experiences, which are really very individualized, personalized. When you're thinking about content as a service, personalization, the purpose of it is to get us the things that we need, which is to say the information we want more quickly without having to wade through a bunch of other things, right? And those other things are gonna be uh, navigation or they're gonna be not having to read things. So when we think about where content as a service makes the most sense and where it's having the biggest impact, it's typically in business functions where there is a necessity to either deliver less content to make it more easily digestible, more quickly digestible, get people to an answer or to a resolution faster, or content specifically that has a an aspect of like 
confidentiality or security or privilege, right? So if I have 10 different groups of people and what they can see changes. So the you know the classic example is like a support distributor customer. Um, so let's say you sell tractors, I don't know. And your distributors get a certain version of the manual. You, know, you want them to be able to work on like everything. Um, support gets a different version um, of the manual. You want them to be able to support people really effectively, but maybe they don't need to know how to like, you know, retime the motor or some engine. And then the end customer gets another version of the manual, which, you know, is some, you know, Venn diagram of those, those three things. That's a really classic example. You know, each of those personas based on who they are and like what their function of the product is need to have secured effectively different access to a shared pool of content. Yeah. And I remember, I mean, a long time ago, we had a, a, I mean, it wasn't the most challenging thing, but we had a situation where a customer had support content where essentially the external facing support said, oh, the thing is broken, try this, this, and this. And then the last line in the document, in the the sort of knowledge base article was more or less, if that doesn't work, call, uh, you know, corporate support. But the corporate support version of that same page said, try the first three things that was identical. But then instead of saying, call us, it said, okay, if a customer calls you with this problem, here are the weirdo things that you can do, right? right. For which you need higher levels of access than the customer has, or than we're willing to give the customer. And I mean, that was doable, you know, with just a pretty simple switch, but you extend that, as you said, to more versions and more people and more variants. And all of a sudden it gets uh, complicated. I also feel like there's an element in here of security in the sense of if you get it right from an from an API point of view, there's less likelihood that the content will leak out inadvertently. I, I think there's there's an aspect of that, but I would warn people against thinking that they're going to be able to prevent somebody from removing that content and creating a copy. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't endorse that concept. You can certainly make it more challenging and you can make it a thing that like someone has to maybe have active, you know, malintentions or whatever you want to say, like, you know, something where they, they're, they, they're doing something that they, they know they shouldn't. And that is probably a really strong deterrent. Um, but yeah, if it goes through the, the internet, like people can hang on to it for sure. It's digital. It's Yeah. I think that's a good stopping point, but we will continue this discussion in the next podcast episode. Patrick, thank you. And thank you for listening to the Content Strategy Experts podcast brought to you by Scriptorium. For more information, visit scriptorium.com or check the show notes for relevant links. Thank you.